Hello guys and welcome to episode 51 of the Worldwide Shells pod. Uh, here today we have me, Matt, your host, and we have two returning guests who haven't been on for a while. First of all from Bahrain we have Ali. How are you doing my friend? I'm great, uh, Matt. Um, it's it's good to be back on the podcast, and especially with Chelsea in good form right now. So we have a lot to speak about. Yeah, indeed. It's great to have you all back on with Chelsea playing well, because I think last time I spoke to both guests was when Lampard was in, when Lampard was doing not very well. So it would be nice to hear some positive opinions and positivity from everyone at the moment. And for our next guest from the UK, Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, mate. Yeah, as Ali said, it's great to be back when Chelsea are firing at all cylinders. Yeah, so first of all, just before we start talking about the Liverpool match, uh, I'll just get starting with you, Josh. Just your What's your overall thoughts on Tuchel so far? Um, he, he's done great so far, but I'm not getting carried away. But I like the way he can be one minute pragmatic and the next minute he can play possession-based football, if you get what I'm saying. like He's got both sides to him. It's like we have a Conte and a Sarri in one. Like It's very it's very good because when we go against a big team, that pragmatic side helps us a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think I like, I like how he's steadied the ship so fast and very effectively. Uh, as you said, I, I, I think he's done very well. Obviously, I'm waiting until next season to see what his actual plan is because I don't believe this is going to be the long-term way forward. But I'm excited to see what he's got to offer. Um, Ali, what's your overall thoughts on Tuchel? I mean, it's been a great, uh, great start so far. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait a while before judging completely uh, on how good a job he is doing. Uh, but yeah, as as Josh said, we look much more solid, and um, going forward, we look better as well. And I think yeah, he he's got the best of both Conte and Sari, so it's it's good to have a flexible manager like that. And um, hopefully, we keep up the good form. Yeah, I think one thing that's really impressed me, as you said, is the flexibility he has. I think we've had too many managers in the last few years that have been they've been good in their own way but they're too pragma- they're too stubborn in their ways they're not willing to change whereas Tuchel we've already seen that he has a bit of both and he is able to change he is able to be pragmatic but he is also able to be flexible with his play obviously so far I think the attack hasn't fired but I don't think that's his fault I think it's more just individual players not connecting together and maybe the system we're playing right now is hampering the attack a little bit but going into the Liverpool review obviously 1-0 win fantastic it's another big team that we've beaten under Tuchel um, Josh what was your overall thoughts on the game? Um, I think we had control the whole game I was, I don't think I was scared at one point at all of Liverpool actually like getting a goal but what I would say we need to take our chances more because that like an informed Liverpool, we would have lost two one there because we did take our chances. Chances, but that offside goal, I'm not even going to go and prove VAR. I'm not going to do it to waste the time. But it's it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, as you said, like about the idea of not being nervous. I, I mean, for one, Liverpool didn't have a shot on target to the 85th minute, which I don't think any teams have really done that this season. Um, but yeah, it was the first time with Chelsea that I never had a heart attack, never was nervous, nothing. I mean, even that chance at the end of Fabinho um, that Chilwell cleared out, I wasn't really too worried about it. I thought, well, Chelsea are going to be able to deal with it. Um, but yeah, I think we'll get on to the uh, Werner goal later on the pod. But um, Ali, what was your overall thoughts of the game? I mean... I know Liverpool aren't in good form right now, but it it felt like such a huge win because we haven't won away at a big team uh, that that was competing for a title or was like let's say the champions of the season before for a while. So I felt like this was such a huge win, um, and and it would give the players so much more like confidence and belief that they can go on and and achieve bigger things 
uh, in the future. Um, and as for the game itself, I thought we should have won by two or three. Um, which, which I wasn't expecting, to be honest, after I saw the, the lineup. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a much tighter game. But uh, I think Timo up front was the perfect... Uh, or was the perfect player to have, especially with Liverpool's high line. Um, he was causing them a lot of trouble all the time. Um, he was getting in behind. Um, he was unlucky with his with his finishing. Um, and as I said, I think I've, I haven't seen a player as unlucky as as Werner, to be honest, in the Premier League. And hopefully, he can just get a bit of luck and, and then just kick on from there. Um, and yeah, I think the defense looked solid, which I didn't expect after Thiago Silva uh, was injured. And Christensen has come in and, and he's been brilliant, to be honest. He hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, but yeah, I think this, this formation plays to, to Aspie's uh, strength, to Rudiger's strength, to Christensen's strength. And even like you can bring in Alonso um, as left wing back and he would, he would fit in comfortably I think um, but yeah I, I was very happy with the win um, hopefully we can kick on from here yeah I mean going into the lineup what did you guys think of the lineup before the match was played because for me it was I was quite downbeat on the lineup a little bit I didn't think certain points of it were right um, I would have put different players in but at the end of the day it did prove me wrong but what did you guys think yeah, I mean, as I said, I I wasn't really confident to be honest after seeing that lineup, because um, I I wasn't a fan of Mount playing so close to the goal, but he proved me wrong in that game and then he scored. But yeah, I, I still think his decision making can be better uh, in the final third, um, and Ziyech as well. He wasn't in good form going into the game, so I was I wasn't really expecting him to start. I thought he had like an okay game. He wasn't really great. Um, I I don't think Reese really fits in as a right wing back. I prefer him as a right back. So yeah, I wasn't really confident going to the game, but yeah, they proved me wrong. And Tuchel is is doing a good job so far. Yeah, Josh, what did you think? Um, I got it. To be fair, like when I first saw it, I overreacted, and then I saw. I thought of it well. CH, you have for the long balls when Timo Werner's in behind. You have Timo Werner for the pace for the high line. You have Mount for the pressing. You have Kante for the pressing. You have Chilwell for the defensive work to stop Trent. You have Reeves for the defensive work to stop stop Robertson. Then the back three deserve to stay. And Georgina to like, run the play like, run the ball, progress it quickly. I got the line up in the end, but at the start, yeah, I did overreact. And I was like, why is Chilwell playing? Why is CH playing? But then I looked more into it and I got it. Because it made sense in the end. Yeah, I think that was, it was one of them things where I, again, at the start was overreacting. I was thinking, right, we're probably not going to win this game. Ziyech, how, how, my first thoughts was, how has Ziyech managed to drop that stinker against United and then start it again? But he did, he did prove himself to worthy that start. I don't think, he, as uh, Ali said, I don't think he played fantastic. I thought he played okay. Uh, I do think, I'm not sure whether this is, again, I think he's one of these players that is suffering a bit, obviously with the adaption of the Premier League, but also with this system a little bit. I think the problem I have at the moment is we have, two distinct groups of some people fit the 4-3-3 some people fit the three at the back and it's decided do you want to the defense to uh, struggle or do you want the attack to struggle I think so far I think Tuchel wants to in a Jose Marino words not lose but I think it does not help our attack which we've seen since Tuchel's coming it's been just a bit lackluster at times Um, so going into Obviously, our first goal, which wasn't allowed, um, just to put it that way. Um, what did you guys think of the overall decision? Ali, we we'll start with you. Um, I thought it was 
complete bullshit to be honest that decision and VAR has been a joke uh recently um I think as as we saw with the Spurs game against Fulham I have no idea how that goal was disallowed um yesterday with the Arsenal game as well um <laughs> how they weren't given that that penalty uh, was a joke and I think now that that they've changed the interpretation of 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 the handball rule or whatever um I hope VAR can fix up to be honest in the future um but yeah I th- I thought Timo wasn't offside um he should have he should have got that goal and as I said he's, he's been very unlucky with the VAR decisions going against him with hitting the post and you know like missing like easy sitters like I don't know how he misses those but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, Josh, what was your opinion on it? I don't get how your hand can be offside. They seriously need to change it. Hopefully, by end of the season, it's changed. But I think we did get let off as well late in the game with that handball from Kennedy. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I, I thought that was a penalty. Straight away when I saw it, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, we've conceded a pen. But overall... You can't complain, could be one, but they seriously need to look in the offside rule because that is never offside in any other game. I don't get it. Like, any other team, I think that's onside. <laughs> it's just no luck. Yeah, I mean, coming to, like, obviously, I wrote an article yesterday on VAR um, discussing what was wrong and what needs to be changed from it. I think, as, as a Formula referee myself, I did not understand the decision at all because the basic idea of offside, no matter how complex they've made the rule now, but it's your offside if some if a scoring part of your body is offside. Now at that point, Werner, his hand was offside. Maybe you could argue his armpit is offside, but it going back to the idea of a VAR is uh, meant to change a clear and obvious error. That is no way a clear and obvious error to for a linesman to make. So it's it's something I don't I think the technology, I think a lot of people say, oh, VAR should be scrapped. I don't think it should be scrapped personally. I think it does it should helpfully help referees. And as you see in cricket, rugby, it has really improved officiating and the game in general. But I think the problem we've got is just referees are not good enough these days with the mixture of the rules are so complicated now that it, especially with the handball one, it's understandable why everyone has a completely different view on it because it's so contradictory. You can use one rule to say it is and one rule to say it isn't. I mean, for me, the, the going back to the Kante handball, I understand why people think it's a penalty. But then if you use the rules, you can argue that Kante is way too close to the ball to get his hand out of the way which is why you could argue it's not a penalty but then his hand isn't in that unnatural position so I think the rules need to be personally simplified and much more clear and I think the overall training of referees needs to improve because not one referee out there I would say is a good referee right now in the Premier League maybe it has to come to the point of bringing referees in from Europe and paying them a lot of money to come and referee in the best league in the world because that's that's the point we if we're we're supposed to be the best league in the world but we've got like the worst refs so yeah it's a joke it's embarrassing you use our refs for like round 16 at all times like they're not rated at all so <laughs> we're just laughing to stop my refs and we're the best league in the world but how they need to sort it out asap because they're just giving like the mike deans and that tons of money do you see what mike deans on a week apparently he's on like 150k a week <laughs> what? How is yep. he 150k a week just to run around and make the worst decisions ever to, and be the main limelight? He wants to be the main limelight every game, like team refs. It can't be the players on the newspaper. It has to be him all the time. Yeah, and I think one major problem with people getting into refereeing, um, as I found out, you get to a certain level... And suddenly the price of just being able to take the courses and the training just goes astronomically up. And it's it, it does show. I guarantee all them referees are all from rich families because it's 
in, otherwise it's yeah. near, near on impossible to get above a certain level. So I was, as a referee, I was at lower academy level. So I was refereeing eventually West Ham under 17s, West Ham under 18s when I got the chance. Yeah. But I couldn't, I, there was no way I could, it was nearly 20 grand just to do the next level course, which would have not taken me much further up, which it just doesn't make sense. Um, it's a joke to be fair. So I think that that's a big part of it, and it's the it's not like the courses are that hard either. You could easily do it quite easily. I think that's the problem. You can, there's not enough. You see, sometimes refs are just at the moment they're not. They don't even look fit to run up and down a pitch, which for me should be a basic part of the training that you should be just at least fit enough to get up and down the pitch, but. I don't know. I think it, it. I don't think it's going to change when you've got Mike Riley as the head of referee, and he was the one the worst refs back in the day, as it was. If you had a Howard Webb or a Mark Clattenburg, we all used to slag them off a little bit. But I'd take them back with a every day. Yeah, I'll week. take Howard Webb, not Mark Clattenburg. After twenty twelve, he could stay far away. No, but he, even even I, I I don't I don't think he was a. He, he made some bad decisions, but I thought generally he was just a he was a compared to these refs, he was a very good ref. I'd take I'd, t- I'd still take him back. But yeah, I guess it, it's just it's just one of them things. Um, now, obviously, going into the goal that did stand, Mason Mount, absolutely brilliant goal from for me. Um, Ali, what did you think of the goal overall? Yeah, it was it was a brilliant pass from Kante. Um, which we haven't seen much of, to be honest. And I would like to see him add that to his repertoire, the long long passes forward. And then uh, Mason just running in, cutting in, and and, and just finessing that shot. And, and I, I want to see Werner do that, to be honest, because we haven't seen really much of that cutting inside and then shooting. He'd always go out uh, out towards the, the corner flag and then try to like cross the ball. So yeah, it was it was a brilliant goal from from Mountain. I think he's right now probably our best player, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I I have made criticisms of Werner in that respect. I think he doesn't cut inside, which doesn't, which for me I don't understand it because you look at back at his Leipzig days and he was always doing it. So I don't know whether exactly it's, I don't know whether it's a confidence thing that he's not confident at cutting inside. But I I, I mean with Werner I, I'm patient on Werner I think he will come come good eventually um we just got to give him the time and even someone was saying to me the other day he's got 10 goals and nine assists that isn't too bad I think just people are looking at the some of the misses and the drought he made to overreact that he's been a flop I don't think he's been a flop this season in my opinion that's true yeah Um, I I think if if he wasn't getting into those positions then then you'd be worried, but it's just, you know, lack of confidence. And, and once he has that back, he, he, I think he's just going to be unplayable, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I think if he has a, if he has a focal striker that he can play off as well, I think he's going to be absolutely mustard. I think either Kai Havertz or if he ever comes in, Haaland will provide that. And I think it will be very good for Chelsea in the future. Um, Josh, what was your... Opinion on the goal and Mason Mount in general. It felt like Hazard, didn't it? It felt like we had Hazard back with that way cut in and just low drilled it in the bottom corner. Like it was so nice. Penalty ball as well. I didn't see that coming out of him at all. That was unreal. Like I was just shocked overall with that goal. Yeah, do you know? What? I, I even said like it was first message I put in the chat. I was like. People need to look at that Kante ball and go, wow, because it was it was it was phenomenal. It was something you expect from Jorginho. And I think Kante, he does have that in him. He just doesn't show it enough. And I think if he can show that more, he's really going to stamp his place in this team. Um, but yeah, I mean, going on to the Mount Hazard comparison for that goal, even the celebration was Hazard esque. Um, so it was it was great to see. I think great to see from a player as. Ali said, probably our player of the season. The only other player I can think of that even gets close is Thiago Silva. But, um, yeah, he's been phenomenal this season. Um, so, moving on to man of the match. Who was your man of the match, Ali? 
I would probably go with uh, Christensen, to be honest. He, he was unreal that game. But I, I think it's very tough to call him. But yeah, I'd go with, with Christensen. And Josh, what was your man of match? Yeah, yeah, he kept he kept that front three quiet. Like, do you see? I know it was offside, but do you see how Manny was in behind and he caught up with him, backheeled it away from him. That was like Christensen's improved the last few games. I hope he keeps up and it's not just a purple patch. He's not one of them Barkley type players that have them purple patches every season. Because he had that last season too. So I'm hoping he keeps it till end of season. And hopefully we have a good centre-back in there. Look at John Stones. No one thought he would turn to what he was this season. Hopefully Christensen has that kind of like come up as well, where he has a few months out and then he's coming back in and he turns to a proper defender. Yeah, I mean, for me, as a man as a man of the match, I picked on on the day I picked Timo Werner just because um, he deserved that goal. I think VAR... Um, Balls them up with that, and I think his overall play was absolutely phenomenal. I think without Timo Werner, we wouldn't have won that match because of just the constant over the top balls, his runs, his hard work rate. But you, as I said before, uh, you could give it to about six, seven, eight of the players, and I don't think many people would have too many arguments um, with it. Christensen, I thought he played really well, and I think that's like a discussion we're going to move into is the back three. Um, are you worried? that it's more the system and the back three that's helping these guys out rather than um, their general talent and form? Yeah, I think, to be honest, like I said, uh, I think this back three plays to their strengths, the three defenders um, that are playing currently. And I'm not sure we can see the same level um, if we move to a back four. But right now with, with our you know, like tactics and instructions, like you could see, like there is a defensive structure, unlike back then with, with Lampard, where it was just all over the place. So I don't know. I'd like to see it happen first. Uh, the back four with them, with uh, Christensen and Rudiger in, um, then I can really judge uh, how they're doing so far. Yeah, Josh, what's your opinion on Christensen and the back three? Yeah, I think it plays for all them strengths. Um, really goes good in um, Germany, the left centre-back role. you got Christiansen, 2017-2018. He was class in that central centre-back role. you got Aspilicueta. His best days at Chelsea was in the right centre-back role, i say. So, um, yeah, I think Ali and you are spot on. I think the back three helps him a lot. But I just, well, I just hope it's that Tuchel's tactics as well and our back four would work but we'll have to wait and see to be honest on that one Do you have a bit of worry that both Christensen and Rudiger could struggle again in the back four? Um, kind of but let's wait and see because I'm not going to jump to conclusions um, I say our best centre-back in the back four is Seymour but I don't think he can play back three because his position and sense ain't great every time he has that like, you say Arsenal have a cup and all sorts. He ain't looked good in the back three, but maybe Tuchel gets it out of him in the end. Yeah, I think with Zuma, I think if there if you if there is a position in the back three that you could possibly play, I think you'd need to play him on his stronger side, which would be his right, and then obviously on the right side of set, uh, the right centre back. But then I don't think you can drop Aspi really. I mean, if you want to give Aspi a rest, then maybe you could put Zuma in there. But I don't think it's wise to put him on his weak foot, and I don't think he's good enough to be in the middle. So it's a bit hard for Kurt Zuma right now, and I'm sure he's not very happy at the situation of not getting much game time. But that's something for Tuchel to try and manage going into the summer. Maybe he's said to some of the players that not getting as much game time that when pre-season comes in we're changing back to a back four and you'll get the game time that you deserve um but we'll have to wait and see um they're going to just some transfer rumors before we touch on the Everton game uh, a lot of rumors coming out this week that Donnarumma is still not signing a new contract and that he's possibly interested in coming to Chelsea um do you guys think we should make this signing as a goalkeeper I think we should, to be honest. Um, he's, he's 21 years of age and 
I feel like he's been playing forever, <laughs> and um, he'd he'd be a free free signing as well. Um, and I think there is a reason why we're getting close with Raiola these days. Is some of his players, and I think it would make a lot of sense for to be honest to get him in, especially with the African Cup of Nations next year. So Mendy is gonna be out for a while. Um, and yeah, I just think he, he has the potential to be the best keeper in the world uh, in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do get your point. I think when you talk about a free agent, I think the problem is with Raiola, that's a bit of a... It's never really that free because I guarantee you might not be paying a transfer, but you'll at least be paying a big the chunk agent of agent fees. fees. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I'm sure... Just a typical free agent. Donnarumma is going to want a lot of money, even if he's 21, being on a free agent. So we'll see how how it um, progresses, I think. It, it's something we need to consider, but we'll have to see going into the summer if it's even real. Um, Josh, what's your opinion on the signing? Um, I think it'll be a good signing, but we need to like take our time with him and give him a chance to come in a new country and not like we have it with the habits and that. I'm not saying you don't have it. I mean, like, the fan base on Twitter. Like, they're giving time because he's still inexperienced. I know he's been around for ages, but even the other day, he did a bit of a mistake for a girl. Like, he still that has that inexperienced side about him. So, it'll take him time. Um, but, yeah, I'll take him. Him and, him and Mendy rotating in games would be really good choices, in my opinion, in goal. The one thing I say about Donnarumma though, he's not great on the ball. Like whenever I've watched him, he ain't been great on the ball. And I guess Mendy ain't either. But we we might need a keeper that's good on the ball under Tuchel's system. Could we if we keep the ball? Could we play from the back? Don't we? So I don't know really about it. But if it's free, I'll take him all day. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do get your point on um, him being so young. I think. 21 is young for any player, but for a goalkeeper, that's even younger. I mean, you could argue Kepa, even though he's been around a few years, he's still um, quite young for a goalkeeper. He's not yet in his prime, and I think that's why Chelsea are kind of... That's why I think they're a bit also reluctant to sell him, because I think it could be one of the things like De Gea. De Gea struggled at the start, and then he did get back into it and become one of the best goalkeepers as he got into more his prime years. But, um, yeah, I think for, we've got to be patient with Donnarumma if he does come in because 21, it's it's so young. He's got a lot to learn. Yeah, he isn't good on the ball, which is probably my biggest worry because I think a lot of concerns of Mendy is that the fact that he isn't good on the ball. So it wouldn't really make too much sense to bring in a keeper that's just as bad on the ball. But we'll have to wait and see. I, personally, I don't think it's a signing that we'll get. I think it's a typical Riola linking Dylan Rumo of a big club and then he'll sign a well, new contract. contract. Yeah. But, um, stuff, man. Yeah, I think we'll have to wait and see. And if there's still talks about it in the summer, then I think I'll fly with it a little bit more. But at the moment, I'm just keeping it as um, a very low rate in terms of chance of getting him. Uh, and then finally, obviously, the main man's been, been spoke about for a long time with Chelsea, uh, the Norwegian cyborg Erling Haaland. Um, Ali, what's your thoughts on the player and would you do anything to sign him? Of course I'd do anything to sign him. I think uh, he's one of the most clinical players I've ever seen and he's still, what, 20 years old? Um, his composure on the ball when he's in front of goal is, is just unreal. Um, the guy is a goal machine. Um, I think any team would love to have him. And I think I think we have a chance, to be honest, to sign him. I think we're one of the few clubs that actually have the funds to get it done alongside City and, and I would say Madrid. Uh, and I think Abramovich really wants him. And if he really wants a player, then he's going to do everything he can to sign, to sign that player. Uh, and I think he's the missing piece uh, of the puzzle, to be honest, because we miss a, a striker like that, like a Diego Costa, like a Didier Drogba. 
uh, the guy that's physical up front and, and like causes fear and like defenses, you know. Um, I mean, I'm I don't I don't think uh, we can sign him, but there is a chance that that we can sign him. Yeah. Um, just to just to correct you on that, technically he isn't the most com- uh, scoring the most conversion rate. Technically, his cousin Albert, who's currently playing for Mulder, currently is actually beating Harlan's records at Mulder currently. <laughs> so maybe maybe we're missing a trick. Maybe we just need to go after his younger cousin instead. Yeah, but, sign um, the whole family along along with him. <laughs> yeah, do 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 what we did with the Hazards. Buy buy all exactly. the four brothers in there. <laughs> see how it goes um but yeah. so do you, do you think it's an unlikely signing that we'll make i think we have the power to do it um and i know abramovich definitely wants to do it and never count him out when whenever we, we want to sign a player so yeah hopefully we can get it done i think he's going to be a game changer for us and we'll be com- we'd be competing for the big titles uh in the future Yeah, I think um, it is going to be one of them signings. It's it's such a big sign-in that I think it's going to be hard for anyone. I think, for me, he, I don't think he moves this summer. I think he waits till next summer because I think it makes sense for Riola to get more agents' fees, for Haaland to get a bigger wage because the transfer fee is going to be so much lower than it would be this summer. But who knows? If Chelsea go in with £150 million, plus a big set of agent fees i think you can get it done but it'll be it, it, i don't think there'll be as many people bidding for harland as everyone's saying at the moment um josh what's your opinion on the whole signing um i would love him at chelsea he wouldn't to be honest that goal left was crazy um but to be honest yeah as you said Matt, i see him staying for another year so he has more options on the table um if he goes Man City, though, the Premier League's fucked. Like, all I'm going to say, him and Foden for the next 10 years, or even more, like, oh, no, I can't. I, can't, I don't want to see it. I don't at all. I don't. Like, we're fucked. <laughs> but just, I, he needs to, I think he's going to wait another summer to get more options, because I think Barca and Real Madrid would be better financially and that then you'll have Juventus better financially because COVID's gone. I think you'll see a lot more teams better financially next summer. That's why I think you'll wait. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think the one thing with Man City is, I just, especially if it gets into a point where it's a bidding war, Man City don't don't really like that. I mean, they're, they're trans, they spend a lot of money, but it's always a lot of players they spend a lot of money on, not individual players with higher... I think the highest they've spent is actually Edison at like 57 million which isn't really a lot um, when you consider Chelsea's over 70 Man United's is 90 Liverpool's uh, 75 so and you look at I was saying to her in the group chat the other day the last time Man City won a bidding war against anyone um, the last bidding war I remember they were in was Harry Maguire which they lost in the end I think the last one they won was actually John Stones of Chelsea back in the day. But um, yeah, it's 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 one of the things I think there's a lot. I think Real Madrid are probably our biggest um, this summer um, against us because just the fact that Riola loves to send players to Real Madrid because Real Madrid do pay him no matter what financial situation they're in, big agent fees. So. That's why he always wants to take Pogba to Real Madrid. That's why he wants to take... He, he he mentioned it in a couple of interviews. He's like, if I can take a player to Real Madrid, I would. Because he knows they paid a top dollar. So I think that's probably our biggest target, uh, rivals this summer for Haaland. But as I said, I think if I was Haaland, I would say stay another summer. Unless the only reason he'd move this summer is if Dortmund don't get... Champions League, which is understandable, but I I think they will in the end. I think they're they're too good not to get Champions League, especially with people like Wolfsburg struggling and all that in the Bundesliga. Um, but who would if we weren't able to sign Haaland, Who would you 
sign as an alternative because for me there's not many alternatives out there that we should sign for big money ali what do you think yeah as you said uh there it's gonna be very tough to find a backup to uh to holland and i think probably the closest one that many people suggest probably lukaku but i don't see him uh, leaving Conte and Inter, uh, especially if they win the league this year. Um, he's he's fit in really well there and he's like the perfect uh, Conte player. Um, and other than Lukaku, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure there is any striker that can actually take us to the next level that's a- available in the market. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Josh, what's your, who, who do you think your alternatives are? Kai Havertz, let's go. <laughs> I was waiting that's, for that to come out. <laughs> that's what I can think of because I don't want Lukaku. I don't like his mentality. Obviously, he's going to win the league this season, but Juventus aren't great. I think that league's a walking for Inter, to be honest, compared to other seasons. Um, so I guess there's a few strikers, but I can't think of him at the moment. And give Kai Havertz a go. He's been playing there for five or four and he's been banging so might as well give him a go there keep Giroud for another year you know what I mean but just do that I'd say yeah I mean I I agree with you to a certain extent I think we do the problem is I think we do need a at least a 20 goal a season striker because I think the rest of our players and at the moment are not scoring simply enough to have someone like a Kai Havertz who doesn't score as much, but other players can. Um, but hopefully Werner picks up his form and other players find some scoring form and then we can get that. But, um, yeah. What I'd say, get an inside forward. Get an inside forward winger that can bag a few goals, no, bag at least 10 plus goals. And then you can, like with Liverpool and Firmino, you can get that off that striker that doesn't score much. You know what I mean? Would you argue that Sancho could be actually a better alternative as a more than inside. inside forward? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how he would do in the Premier with less space, but what I've seen in Bundesliga can bang goals, he can assist as well. Yeah, Ali, what, what's your opinion on that? I mean, last summer, I don't think there was a player that I, I wanted more than Sancho to join Chelsea. Um, he's that like player that can create chances out of nothing. Um, I think that's what we're missing right now. Uh, Our strikers aren't really getting much or many chances. Um, And I'd like to see him come with Haaland. Like, if we can get, like, a package for for those two, that would be, like, the dream. Yeah, I I do think you're dreaming, Ali, but... It's a career mode, man. (laughs) Yeah, I think think you are currently dreaming, but... um... If that did ever happen again, I think that would be game over. For ev- like um, Josh said with the Harland Foden, if we got Harland and Sancho together, I think that would probably game be game over this for everyone else. Um, yeah, definitely. But I mean, as you said with the Lukaku thing, I think I completely agree. I think a lot of people are, su- are suddenly rating Lukaku because he scored a lot of goals in the. Syria scored against some of the big teams, but I think it's more that just simply he suits the Syria more than he's improved as a player. I think I still ex- expect if he comes back to see him as that typical uh, same player. Ball bounces off him, no first, no real good first touch. Doesn't really ma- do it in the big Premier League games, which especially to the fact that. He's on a long contract with Inter, so he's not going to go for anything under eighty million. Probably more than that. I just don't. I. I don't. I don't know. I don't think you can do. I. I. I think the only options that you've got that could be a same area as Haaland would be Lewandowski, which is not possible. Harry Kane, which is, I'd say, nearly impossible. I think you could. For the right price, but that right price is going to be the same as Haaland, if not more. Um, and yeah, and then 
Mbappe, even though he's probably not that striker outfit, but you could argue he could be, again, that more of an inside forward. But again, that's going to cost you arguably more than what Haaland would cost you. So it's hard with the strikers, I think. We'll have to see, again, till the summer, I think, get to April, May. If we've got still really high links of him, I think you can argue that there is definitely something there because I know that's the time when the board will be meeting with Tuchel and discussing the summer transfer window. So let's hope that the board can actually do something good this summer, like similar to last summer, and then we can we can go again. Um, now moving into tomorrow's match um, against Everton. Obviously, listeners may be watching this on, on the day, depending on when this comes out. But are you guys confident for the Everton game? Ali, I'll start with you. Um, or Josh? Yeah, I'm, um, no. <laughs> I'm never confident for a game at Everton. Um, they're in great form, ain't they? And they're looking very solid at the back of the way. They'll set out, in my opinion, will be like they do against all the big teams they did to us before. Four centre-backs at the back. Um, and then you'll have Dignay and left wing-back. I think they'll go with a five-back. That's a game where we shouldn't be playing Timo Werner. That's the one game where they'll have the line set back. He will be so, like, you can't utilise him. I think we need to probably rest him for that Leeds game where they play a high line. They press. We can expose that. And you saw last time we played Leeds, he got a load of chances. So I think, yeah, the Everton game, we should go with a Giroud or someone up front for that game. Just because they're going to sit back. That's all they do against big teams and count with their pace. So I say expect that. So this game won't be easy at all. I can see it being like a 1-0 again. And a tight, cagey game. Yeah, Ali, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the reverse fixture was one of the most uh, frustrating games we've had in a while. And it felt like we wouldn't score, even if we had like a thousand minutes to play. Um, as as Josh said, they really sit back and, and defend deep uh, the big games. And um, might be a game to bring in Havertz, to be honest, and Giroud uh, up front. Um, Ziyech, I think, would be perfect for this game, try to break down their defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, whenever I'm confident for a game, it goes the other way, and then if I'm not confident, then then we win. So I'm I'm staying cautious, to be honest, and I think it's gonna be a close game as well. Probably a one nil, two one win. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, I think it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a close game, but I'm I'm a bit more I'm always a bit more confident with Everton when it's at Stamford Bridge when it's compared to when it's at Goodison Park. So, um. I think it's it's going to be one of them games where it's going to be tight. I think Tuchel again he needs to pick the right formation, the right lineup. I think that would for me that doesn't include Timo Werner. I think it, but I do think it includes Kai Havertz, and I think it includes Thiago Silva as well. I think despite how Christensen's played, I think Thiago Silva needs to come back in the lineup. But I do think we will win. I think it again will be as Ali said, one nil win. Um, but I don't mind if we keep grinding out results like that as long as we get the win that's all that matters at the moment and if we can beat Everton I seriously think top four is becoming a lot more likely than before what do you guys think about top four? Yeah I mean uh, I think Leicester and West Ham are going to drop out uh, sooner rather than later and I think Leicester have been very lucky uh, with their results recently and like the game uh, last night that we saw against Brighton um, the first goal was a mistake from a defender from Lewis Duck and the second goal was a mistake from uh, the keeper and they've had a lot of players injured uh, key players um, and I think with, with a tough run of fixtures coming up for them. I think they drop out. And um, I think West Ham as well, they don't have that experience, to be honest, to close up the season, um, to, to be in the top four. 
and we are on a great run of form and we have a good run of fixtures after this tough run so i think i think we're gonna finish in the top four yeah and josh do you think we'll finish in the top four um yeah i think as ali said leicester and west Ham are due to drop out i think it'll be us liverpool united and city to be honest i still think it'll be that four and also, can I say something? Something just popped up on my phone. Matt Law said it. Andreas Christensen set to off, be offered a new contract. What's your thoughts on that? Hmm. <sighs> mm, uh, that, uh, for me, that's quite interesting, I think. I understand why the club want to do it, because he is. there are not a lot of good centre-backs out at the moment. I think you need to keep your young centre-backs. And I think, one, it will produce a massive transfer fee if someone does want, does want to sign him after the new contract and I think it just does provide Chelsea with a bit of stability in terms of centre-back staying because I know obviously Rudiger's still um, I think is it a year left on his contract in the summer? Am I right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. both, yes. both yes. Christensen yeah. and Rudiger have a right, yes. year left this summer. Yeah, so I think you need to really get them both on contracts just to increase their value again and get good money for them. So I think it is, it is, it will be good if they can get him signed. It will depend to see how long the deal is. If it's a five year deal, then maybe that's a sign that he's going to stay for the future. If it's a shorter deal, then maybe it's just one of them things that they're trying to get a bit more of a fee out of him. Ali, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, he's still young, to be honest. Um, and if we, he can sign the new contract, then he'd have a higher resale value if things don't work out well. Um, and I think he's admired uh, by a lot of people at the club. Uh, I know that John Terry once said that he he is like the, let's say, like the prime center back that he wants him to have at the club for the future. And I know that Jody Morris and Frank Lampard were big fans of him um, while they were at the club. And as we saw now with, with Tuchel as well, he's a big fan. So I don't know. It does make sense to, to get him to sign, sign a new contract. Yeah, I think for him and Rudiger, they, they both make sense. Um, and ho- hopefully... It will be, because I think after the form he's played, I think he does deserve a new contract. But we'll see how far it is into talks. Because we remember back in October, it was Kurt Zuma was going to sign a new contract, and then that just completely dissipated. So we'll see whether it's just the early contract talks or whether it is something that's been going on for a while. But um, going back onto the Everton game... Um, what lineups would you play? Um, start start with you, Josh. What would you start with uh, against Everton? Um, uh, I'll go my front three first. I'll go with Mount, Julian. No, actually, Mount, Havertz, Pulisic. Right mid, I'll go with Hudson-Odoi. Centre mid, Jovicic. I've already seen that um, Tushu has spoke about giving Kante rest in that managing his minutes so I think Jovicic will come in um, I think Kent will be back for the Leeds game where they'll have pressure he can win the ball back so on and so on um, left mid I would go Alonso because they're going to sit back and we need that goal threat and I don't think Chilwell all, mostly what Chilwell does against a low block is just cross it you know what I mean he, Cross, cross, cross. That's all he does. Well, Alonso can bring that good shot on him. You know what I mean? Break the lines. Um, back three is pretty obvious. Aspi, Christensen, Rüdiger. I think I'll rest Silver till their left field game. Having fully fit for that. Maybe bring him on for a few minutes against Leeds. Manage that. Um, and in goal, Mendy. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it's not a bad lineup. Going on to the Kante point, I did see the article, and when I saw it, I thought, "Oh no, he's not got another injury, has he?" And then it was one of the most clickbait titles I've ever seen. 
just it was talking about oh Kante mainly the rest I was like Chelsea FC again give me a heart attack over something um Ali what what how would you line up against Everton yeah I mean it's tough to disagree with that lineup that Josh just said uh probably only change that I'd I'd do is bring in Ziyech uh for Pulisic um I think he's great for these kind of games and uh Hudson Odoi a right wing back and I wouldn't I wouldn't change the defense I wouldn't mess with it right now if it's working then then don't fix it I guess um yeah so I'd go with Aspi Christensen Rudiger uh, Hudson Odoi Jorginho Kovacic Alonso and up front I'd go with uh Ziyech Giroud and Mount I might switch Giroud and Havertz. Yeah, I mean they're both. I think they're both pretty good lineups for me. I actually would bring in Thiago Silva because I think I understand we want to rest him for the Atletico game, but again, I I feel like it would be a bit harsh to just throw him in without play without with playing what no game within over a month, over two months, nearly two months. Um, so for me, I would. I think you have to, again, you have to manage him correctly. And I think maybe bring him into Everton and then rest him for Leeds. And then at least he's got some match fitness on the way to Atletico Madrid, I think. Um, as well as Christensen has played, I think Thiago Silva's one of them players. You just, he's, he, he hasn't put, a, he's barely put a foot wrong this season. I think he deserves to get in the starting lineup. I think Christensen will understand. I think Christensen will know just because Silva's come back in the team doesn't mean he's not going to get game time because he knows we're going to have to manage Silva to get the most out of him. Um, so it, I would personally play, obviously, Mendy in goal. There's no doubt. I'd Kepa's not getting a chance of getting in this game. Um, yeah, and then back three, I'd go Rudiger, Silva, Azpilicueta. Uh I do agree with Josh. I think full, uh, the wing-back should be Hudson-Odoi and Alonso um, for the same reasons that Josh put. Um, and yeah, with Kante being mentioned about he needs a rest, it's obvious that Jovic will play, so that for me, that's fine. Again, with the front three, I think um, I will seem to go a bit more with Josh's team I won't put Pulisic in but I will have Havertz up there as that false nine I think I would personally play Ziyech and Mount at the moment but you could I could understand why you'd want a Pulisic why you'd want a Werner um, I just think Pulisic could have that similar problem to Werner with them that back four sitting well the back five sitting back um, in a low block so maybe it might be a thing where Werner and Pulisic can come on when the game's a bit more stretched, but um, starting, I think, yeah, Zia can mount and Havertz may be the best option for that with Havertz at the false nine. What do you guys think of Havertz as being a false nine? I know it's been talked about by Tuchel a lot in a couple of press conferences, but would, would you like to see it? Start Valley. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Havertz really, as as I think Tuchel mentioned, that he really isn't a number 10 and he isn't a number 9. He's somewhere in between. Um, he makes those uh, late runs to the box. And I'd probably say that the false nine is actually his best position um, on the pitch. And I'd definitely like to see that, to be honest, because our attackers haven't really been convincing and I'd like to see maybe a change to that um, if we play Havertz up front. Yeah, I mean, Josh, what, what's your opinion on Havertz, the false nine? Are you wanting to see it? I know you said it in your lineup yeah. that you would, but. Yeah, um, just because his link up play is good, um, he's got the pace, he's got the finishing as well. And that, in that six yard, um, 12 yard box, I don't know, 18 yard pass. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking um, but he's so clinical in it like, all these goals come from there and that's what you want from the striker so yeah I think he's perfect for that role 
uh, do you think Tuchel will will start him in the end? Because um, I, I I feel like I've I've called out for it for the last four games, and every time he's been on I the bench. Tuchel's managing him a lot, but I don't see why he would. I think maybe you're seeing more against Leeds, but I'm hoping for Everton. But I don't know if Tuchel would do it against the Carl Ancelotti team, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of the things like. I feel like I keep going. Oh, this is the good, op- best opportunity to bring him in, and he doesn't. And then I just don't understand why he's been cut out for so long. Because I think I understand like he's got to get match fit and all that. But Ziek had to do the same, and now he's throwing Ziek into it, and then he's not throwing Havertz. And I'm just like slightly more confused. Even with the point that he brought Havertz on for 90 seconds against Liverpool, I was like, if you want to bring him in. Surely you'd bring him in with a bit more time to play. But, um, yeah, I think that could be the thing that gets our attack going. Havertz at Force 9, I think that, that helps Werner, gives Werner that connection. I think that also helps Pulisic when he plays. I think that would be a good link-up. And then I think with the likes of Mount, Ziek and Havertz, they could, in, they could even all interchange and play that Force 9 role. You saw... Ziek for a little bit of time that he played a bit of a false nine against Liverpool, and I think for him that kind of worked a little bit as well. And I think I know if, I think Mount can play it as well. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I just want to see Havertz at least tried because I think it it could be something saucy that we could play, and it could just unlock us a little bit more. Um, but going on to final score predictions, obviously you guys said one nil, wasn't it? Yeah, one nil or two one. Probably it's gonna be a one one goal game difference. Josh, was you to say? One nil. Yeah. Or maybe um, a two nil if we nick a late one. Yeah, I think we all all three of us are all in kind of a perfect situation if we all said one nil. So hopefully that means the result will be one nil. I think I'll take that at the end of the day. Um Going obviously into just some early predictions for Leeds and Athletic Madrid, how do you think them games are going to go? I think, to be honest, it's, it's still early uh, for that. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Definitely, Tuchel has uh, given us some, you know, some confidence um, that we were lacking uh, recently, and uh, hopefully, we can go far in the Champions League and end the season in the top four. So do you think we can win both or? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely doable. Um, I think I, I see us beating Leeds and uh, any result that can get us through against Atletico is fine, fine with me. Yeah, Josh, what do you think? Uh, predictions? I see that Leeds, I see us, that would be our first game where I see us going more than two. I see us Hammering them like the way they come out and attack you. I just see us exposing that because we've just been playing teams that sit back and used to too short. They know that too short to keep possession, so they sit back. Um, this Leeds team, they proper attack you. They don't care who you are. They will attack you all the way. So I think we'll score a few against them. Um, Atletico, I even see that being a nil nil one nil again um, for either team. That would be a tough one. I think us going in there 1-0 with only one away goal is a bit scarier. I didn't see it on the night. I was excited. But even Ali was saying it in the chat. Oh, we should have scored more. I'm, like, I see where he's came from now. It's nerve-wracking, this game coming in. 1-0. All Electrical have to do is score a goal. And then they're basically in the driving seat with that away goal as well. And all they have to score is another away goal. And then we have to score two more. Oh, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> it's going to be a long game. Yeah, I think it, the Atletico Madrid game is going to be one of the ones where you're just sitting there looking and you're going to be nervous from minute one to minute 90. Um, I do. I, I actually think, I still think there's a possibility of us dropping points against Leeds. I think we've played so many big games in a row. Um, we obviously Atletico, United, Liverpool, Everton. That I I think there could just be if we don't manage it well enough. I think there could just be a sign that we just with that high press and that high work rate we just kind of lose out to it a little bit. But if not, we're it's either going to be a draw or a complete hammering of them. So 
Um, hopefully, it's the second one. And then the Atletico Madrid game. I am actually a bit more confident than you guys. I think we're going to win it 1-0 again. I think the way they played, I don't think they're going to have too many of their players back um, compared to last time. I think the the thing that Atletico lost that game was their four where wing backs. The fact that they didn't have their two number starting wing backs, that it just really dismantled their play and they couldn't really play out. So hopefully we can take advantage of that again, get through and then see who we get in the quarterfinals. But that will bring it to the end of the pod today. Um, bang on an hour for everyone. So I'd like to thank both Josh and Ali for coming on. Um, Ali, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Uh, it was it was a good podcast. It's my first time as well with Josh on the podcast, so it was it was a good one. And Josh, thank you for coming on. Pleasure having me. Nice to meet Ali on the pod and. Yeah, it was, um, it was a great pod, to be fair. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's glad to have you guys back on. Um, obviously, we'll hopefully get you both back on a bit more sooner compared to last time. Um, we will be starting to get some special guests on in the next few weeks um, for you guys um, all to be uh, involved in. So hopefully everyone stay tuned and we'll have a good time. Um, but anyway, 